0: It's it's good to have be in church and uh, and we are celebrating Easter and most of all the resurrection of Jesus and uh, and it's a significant it's a significant time you know I was sharing at the, the the West um, location this morning and uh, I was talking about you know for me I've probably I've been in a lot of Easter services in my life uh, since about the age of five Easter was pretty staple in the in the in the family calendar I grew up with a mother that loved Jesus in fact my mum got saved when I I was about five years old, um, kind of in a, in a bit of, in a different kind of way. Um, it wasn't kind of your conventional uh, here at a service, gave my life to Jesus kind of moment. For for my mom, she was actually, at, at this time, had uh, not long been a, a single mother and had three kids, and um, she had one really good one, and the other two older siblings were a, were a real pain. And uh, we we, 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 she had a Catholic background, so she grew up as a kid, kind of going to Catholic school and understood a bit about God, a bit about Jesus, but it was never something that was outlived or outworked in her world. It's not something she pursued or, or really thought too much of. And she just talks about how one night uh, in her bedroom as a single mother, just kind of in a tough spot, she, she actually felt the presence of God into her room and just felt the presence of God wrap, wrap her with this sense of hope, life, and security. And which then took her on a journey to go, well, what? At the, she knows it's the presence of God now. But at the time, she was like, well, what is this? Which, which kind of, she knew a bit about God. And then a friend invited her along to a local church. And she walked into the church and the front doors and felt that same presence and went, man, that's what it was. It was the love of Jesus. And uh, so my mom fell in love with Jesus when I was five. I would say she fell in love with Jesus a bit too much. Um, and so I grew up with one of those mums. you know, those mums that, that just love God. a little bit too much, like the kind of mums that hide scripture in your lunchbox, and uh, it's not a good time uh, when your friends find it, and... You know the kind of when I was at about age fifteen, most of my friends were starting to sneak out of home to attend their first parties. I'd sneak out of home to watch Harry Potter, and uh, it was the it was the kind of the life I lived. Um, I, I lived a mum that uh, with a mum that loved Jesus. In fact, one of the things my mum did um, I don't know why now looking back I must have been about ten or maybe twelve years old. She. She, she showed us this film as kids called Left Behind, and uh, it was this movie on how basically it was a it was a theory on the end times and how people are going to be going through their daily life, and then all of a sudden the ones that are close to God have been doing right by God will all of a sudden disappear, and their clothes are best be left on the ground, and I guess we all naked up there, um, yeah, and so their clothes are. Uh, left on the ground, and and then so what happened, for me, that was a traumatizing movie to watch, because what happened, I, I knew I wasn't good with God, even as a 12-year-old, uh, I knew I didn't know enough, and my mum seemed to have such a close relationship with God, anything I had seemed pretty useless, and so I knew, so I'd get home, and mum would be out, or we didn't know where mum was, and all of a sudden, we'd all start freaking out that we got left behind, and uh, it was traumatic. but I, I grew up with a mum that loved Jesus, and would tell me a lot about scripture taught us all the passages, taught us the stories. I knew about Noah and his ark and Daniel and the lions. I knew the stories. Uh, but for me, probably it was in my teenage years when God became real for me. I knew my mum 's faith, but it was in my teenage years where it became my faith where where I decided, no, I believe in this God, and that was through a series of circumstances but but one, one thing I, I came probably reflecting on it now, looking back is one of the reasons God became so real to me uh, through these different circumstances that took place in our life is is probably the hope that my mum continued to hold on to my mum, for some reason, had this unshakable hope that you know i, I, I lived with her. So I got to see what life dealt her at times. And throughout life, life didn't always deal my mother an easy hand. At times, things were tough. At times, she had to go through situations. But I'll never forget growing up, even though at different times, life had its ups and downs. mum would always come back to the fact, know that God is good and God has it under control. And as a kid, one of the things that spoke to me so much is not that just mum had a hope. It's that she had a strong hope she had a solid hope. She had a secure hope. And really that secure hope came out of the revelation of of what she believed God had done in her life, what she believed God had done for us. And I love scripture because the hope that Christ gives us isn't just like any kind of hope. It's a strong hope. It's not like a hope Santa gives me everything I want kind of hope. Well, like, I hope he doesn't preach too long kind of hope. It's a strong, it's a, it's, a it's, a, it's a solid hope. It's a strong hope. And I love in Hebrews 6, it, uh, it talks about this in verse 19. It says, uh, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It's talking about Jesus. Firm and secure. Come on, the hope we have isn't tossed about. It's not a weak hope. It's a hope that is secure, that is strong, That is something we can rely on, we can stand upon. I stand on the hope that Jesus rose again. A lot of life at times goes up and down and situations come and go and and there's good times and hard times. But one thing I can always come back to the fact is, no, Jesus died. He rose victorious. There is an eternity secured with him. And so I can stand and hold on to hope no matter what. But I love through Scripture, even as you look through hope, you you see the Bible kind of talking about this hope. But it's very much related to being a strong kind of hope, a secure hope. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about, therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. Psalms talks about, be strong, take heart, all those who have hope in the Lord. Isaiah, the famous one we know about, those who hope in the Lord, renew their strength. Psalms, again, in 71, talks about, you, who, you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. That my confidence is found, what? In my hope, in my hope. And then I like how Paul kind of instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy when he says this, in 1 Timothy 6, he says this, "...command those who are rich in present world to not be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment." I love the thing that what makes our hope secure is not just the hope itself, it's what the hope is founded in. Because in life, you can can find your hope in a lot of things. You can place your hope in a lot of things. And I love Easter time. For me, it's been part of my life. But something that's always been for me is it's helped recalibrate my hope. Because throughout life, as a year goes on in different circumstances, you can easily start putting hope towards things and put my hope in this and I put my hope in that. But Easter's such a great time because it just reminds me, in fact, it's, it's my hope in Jesus that matters the most. It's my hope in God that, that is secure. It's 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 my hope in that. And I love even watching the life of my mother and, and how God's played out through her life and watched her go through the journey she's had to go through but land in this place where where there's evidence of how this hope has played out. And the fact, for me, what probably spoke biggest to it is that this hope wasn't just something she'd respond to on a Sunday or hold to in moments. It became the foundation on how we structured our family. It became the foundation of the decisions we made. It became the foundation. In fact, you look through the apostles, you look at the, the Jesus dying and rising again wasn't just something that they thought or celebrated in moments. It was actually the foundation in which they built their life on. They built their their future on the fact that Jesus died and rose again. They built everything. I love the Apostle Paul because he built his whole life on the fact that Jesus died and rose again, so I'm going to give my everything to it. It became the filter for every decision. It became the filter for his world. But the fact is, it didn't always start that way. In fact, Paul's first response to the gospel wasn't, oh my gosh, this is awesome. That wasn't Paul's response to the gospel. When he first heard of the fact that people were spreading the good news of Jesus, his response was to kill them, to imprison them. And I've come to realize my first response isn't always my best response. In fact, in one of the, one of the lockdowns, I got into the wormhole of just scrolling through reels and I just killing time. <laughs> And um, one of the reels I came across was bad surprises, you know, like surprise birthdays when people would jump out, surprise, and it's surprising how many people get punched in the face in those moments, because <laughs> the first response, though wasn't always the best response, but it's not always the last response, and you look through Scripture, and you see different responses, and I just want to look at one response tonight jesus died in the and in, in, for for those new to new to church or new new to new new to hearing about the faith or 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 the bible we we believe that what happens in scripture is is jesus kind of has twelve close people to him that he takes on this journey over three years of, of uh, they come to an understanding that he is Lord and they get to see all these signs and wonders and they get to understand uh, the, the heart, the mission that, that Jesus is on and, and the personality and how we're to outlive that in our lives. any anyway, then, then Jesus dies and he gets hung on a cross and, and, and it kind of throws the disciples off because they'd put so much hope in this guy. They put so much hope in the fact that he was their savior and all of a sudden he's gone. He died. That wasn't the narrative. That wasn't the, the storyline I thought was going to happen in this moment. And so they get thrown off. And then in this moment, Jesus then, as the story goes, many of us are familiar, Jesus finds himself laid in a tomb and then he rises from the dead through the tomb. And it's that resurrection that we find out our victory in that he conquered death and conquered sin for us and then you find this this passage of how the disciples kind of respond to the news of Jesus rising again because again not every response and the first response is, is the right response and in fact one of the disciples that was probably most closest to Jesus was Peter it was Peter, and, and I love Peter's response because Peter kind of hears of the news that Jesus, through Mary, had heard the news that Jesus was risen, that he was no longer in the tomb. And so him and John run to the tomb to find out what's going on. And then in, in uh, Luke 24, in verse 12, it says this, Peter, however, got, uh, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. What happened? Peter's first response to this whole thing was just confusion. I just don't don't get it. (laughs) What's going on here? There's been times where my response to what God is doing isn't yay, it's more what's going on here? It's more confusion. Then celebrate. The celebrating comes as the understanding comes, but sometimes my first response to Jesus often is God, what are you doing? I thought it was, where are you? I thought it was going to be different. And so the, the thing with Peter, though, in this scenario, you've got to understand the heart, the kind of the space Peter's in. Kind of There's been a rough couple of days for Peter at this point. The kind of journey of kind of this little downward kind of spiral for a couple of days that Peter goes on kind of starts when he's at the meal with Jesus, the Last Supper. You've probably heard about it, the Last Supper. And Peter kind of confesses to Jesus that I'll give my life for you. And Jesus turns around and says, oh, I, like, I like the heart, but... <laughs> That's just not going to happen. You're actually going to deny me three times. Peter's like, I'll never do that. And then later on that night, they go out to pray because Jesus is, is processing what's about to happen. And Jesus is like, hey, Peter, can, can, you, can you stay here and pray for me? Peter falls asleep on him three times. And so and then Peter kind of wakes up and people are coming to arrest Jesus. And so Peter, who had confessed that I'll never turn my back on you, Jesus, Decides you to pull out a sword and go and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. Defending my Jesus. Jesus in that moment stops him. Says, I'm not leading a rebellion. And heals the man. So already you can start to see in Peter's world, you start to be getting a bit confused. You kind of you confess your, your, your commitment to Jesus. He turns it down. You, you fall asleep on Jesus and get rebuked by him. You then try and help him out and you get it wrong. And so then at this moment, Peter then is, Jesus taken away and there's a whole lot of mess going on. And then Peter openly denies Jesus three times, which sends him on a bit of a spiral. And then all of a sudden you're kind of figuring out what's going on and you turn up to the tomb and now Jesus has gone altogether. I love the response of Peter in this moment because his whole heart and all this confusion he goes, well, you know what? I'm going fishing. <laughs> his whole heart is just, I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> that's a it's a good response for every situation well not really but that's what I tell myself but he finds himself fishing and this is the responses for a couple of minutes so I want to look at because you find this moment where where Peter's almost gone back to where he was when it all started in fact if you don't know Peter's journey it started when Jesus showed up on the on the shore and commanded them to throw the nets on the other side and the miraculous catch of fish happened and Peter came ashore, and Jesus in that moment said, come follow me. So, when Peter's journey started. This is an this is amazing thing. Three years later they go on this journey and all of a sudden Peter's kind of right back to where it all began. A whole lot had happened. He was in the same place but at this time he wasn't the same person because there's something in Peter's heart knew there was more. Something in Peter's heart at this point had understood, no, that, that there is more to this life. There's more to what God has done. There's more to what's going on. And you find this passage in John 21 when Jesus then shows back up to Peter and it says this, he says in, in John 21 verse six, he says this, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. When the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped in and went through the water to him. I love this, this passage where I want to just finish tonight is because of some simple things Jesus did in this moment, which I found are some simple things Jesus keeps doing in my life. As you understand scripture, there's so much depth to it, but I've found some of the most moments of change for me in my world has actually been getting hold of some simple things that Jesus has done. I grew up hearing about the love of Jesus my whole life. The older I've got, the more that simple truth of, man, God loves you regardless. The more I grapple with that, the more I understand that, the more that changes me. I understand that He freely forgives. I heard that my whole life, but the more I I understand that, the more I realize that, the more it changes me. And I love this passage with Peter because Peter's kind of gone right back to where it all began. And I love the heart of Jesus. It's not like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) Start from the top. It's like that coach, all right, run it again. It's it's not not that. I love the fact that, that Jesus doesn't show up with that heart. I love the fact that Jesus, the first thing, just shows up to where Peter is. He just shows up to where Peter is. And for me, that's probably been a bit more profound in my life than what it simply states. It's the fact God just shows up where you are. He shows up for you wherever you are. I love the fact that his, Peter's performance didn't determine Jesus showing up for him. He wasn't like, oh, Peter, the last three days have been a bit, bit awful, mate. I'll give you a week, sort it out, come back and we'll give this thing a go. No, it wasn't that at all. In fact, the longer I've walked with God, I've realized actually my performance doesn't determine my proximity to Jesus. My behavior doesn't bring me closer. In fact, I can't be any more close to Jesus than I already am. Why? Because His His love is towards me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. And the more I've understood that, the more I've had to unravel thoughts like, when I'm doing good, I feel closer. Like, you you ever felt that way? When you're doing good, like like you've managed to hit seven days of your Bible reading plan in a row. And you're like, man, I'm close to Jesus. Jesus must be proud of me. You see, the danger with that feeling is is when things are good. It's good. The danger of it when, when it's not good, you feel far. But Jesus isn't either any further from you from when you read the Bible and when you don't read the Bible. When you sin and don't, that doesn't determine how far Jesus is from you. It might determine how aware of God you are. Reading Scripture makes me more aware of Jesus. It doesn't make God closer. He's already showing up. He's as close as He can be. The question is, am, am I aware of Jesus right now? Am I aware of how close God is to me? What am I fighting through, walking through, going through, and I haven't stopped to go, you know what? Jesus is right here. I don't even need to run to him. He's coming to me. You see that first that Jesus showed up for Peter. The next thing that happens when Peter gets on the shore, this is quite interesting. Jesus kind of has made a little fire and he says, hey, bring some fish, let's just have a meal. And it amazes me because he's kind of got a lot on his plate. Like the salvation of humanity kind of thing going on. Like Jesus got a pretty busy kind of schedule. Just died, risen, def- conquered How? And then he shows up to Peter and he's like, hey, let's just take a moment to eat together. I love that Jesus showed up for Peter. But I love the fact that Jesus took time to just eat with Peter. And God just took time for him. We can get so busy pursuing the mission, pursuing the things on the hustle in this life to not realize that in fact, one of the things Jesus just loves to do is, is just to stop to be with you. Yeah, there was things to do, there was things to go on to do, but the fact is that that it was an unexpected moment. I imagine for Peter it was quite an like, what do you say? Yeah, cool. Like, well, how do you open that conversation? How was dying? <laughs> you know, like, how's the weather been? Like, how? Where, where do you go with this? But I love the fact that Jesus took time. Took time for a moment with Peter. And I, I found in my life, one thing I'm so thankful for is that there's been moments marked in my journey where it just felt like Jesus just took time for me. Jesus just stopped for me. Jesus would just come to me. And heal me, come to me and be with me. Come to me to relate with me. See, Jesus does have a mission that we're on, but a big part of that is Jesus just wants to relate with you, do life with you, to know you, to be with you. And He makes moments, moments that are more than just a meal. It's a moment of clarity. It's a moment of healing. I've had moments, moments that have been more than a conference. There's been moments of breakthrough, moments of promise, moments of healing. The last thing that Peter does, or that Jesus does for Peter, is he then just restores Peter. He shows up. He makes time. And then he restores him. And that's the simple message of what it is that Jesus is doing for us. He comes to us. He makes time for us. And then he restores us. He sets Peter back on course, back into the new life. And when he looked at Peter's future, he didn't project Peter's past mistakes. But he held on to the promise that he had for Peter. Jesus knew every mistake Peter had ever made, but that wasn't the thing that that Jesus cared about. There's no, what I just did took care of that. Now I'm here to talk to you about what I've got in store for you the future, the life, the promise. And I was thinking about even this earlier on this week, just how Jesus responded to Peter and it just felt God in my heart saying, that's how I respond to you. But it's also how I want you to respond to others. That we would show up for people. We would show up that we wouldn't just know the love of Christ, we would demonstrate the love of Christ. We wouldn't just know the the forgiveness in God. We would learn how to walk out the forgiveness. And I found God as much for this Easter is about what the gospel has done for me as much as it also has been God helping me to recalibrate how I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to reflect the love of a Savior I know, the forgiveness of the God I know. And that I would show up for people. I would take time to have a meal with people to sit with people, to be with people, and that we would dedicate ourselves as a church to restoring people, to lifting people, to not letting the past define people, to not letting mistakes hang over people, to not let people walk in shame, but to say, no, this is a place, come on, where freedom is alive, where forgiveness is on for offer, your purpose is still ahead of you. That's our heart, that's our Jesus, that's that's our commitment. Have I done that my whole life? Not at all. But the more I understand of what it is that Jesus has done for me, the more it helps me understand how it is I'm supposed to live for others. So thankful for what it is God's done for us. Friend, we sing, we celebrate, we cheer because we believe in Jesus. That's not just a story. But it's the reality of a God that looked down on humanity and decided to give His one and only Son to come and die on the cross. See, we understand and we believe that God created each and every one of us. Friend, you know that God's created you for more. God's created you for more. And it's through this life and through this understanding that we realize there's sin that comes into our world that causes a separation between us and God. But I love the fact, like we've been talking about tonight, that God's not a God that will shy away from us in our sin that will turn us His back on us and our mistakes. But He's a God that creates a way that came and answered our problem, that made a way for you and I, that whoever shall believe in Him could freely receive the gift of salvation. So many people feel like they've got to earn God's, God's ear, got to earn God's time, got to earn God's respect, got to earn God's love. Friend, you don't have to earn it at all. At all. He loves you with the unconditional type of love. So no matter what's going on, where you've been, friend, I, I need you to know tonight that there is a Christ that is alive and He loves you. There's a God that is for you and a plan that God has since He created you. Part of that great plan is simply that He would also live in relationship with you. I love the fact, just like for Peter, we serve a God that will show up wherever you are. Whatever you're going through, whatever's going on right now, God will show up for you. He takes time for you, and He can restore you. Tonight, I'm just asking you, would you just focus on on one question tonight? Where are you at with Jesus? Where are you at with God? Friend, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the greatest thing you can ever do in this life is open your heart up and receive Him. See, tonight I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you any of that. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Because it's only your relationship with Jesus that will save you, that will set you free. Tonight I'm going to finish off by saying a prayer. It's a simple prayer, but a powerful one. It's a prayer that invites Jesus in, into your life. We can ask Him for your forgiveness and receive salvation. Dear Jesus, tonight, I open up my heart and ask you to come in. I ask you to forgive me of where I've gone wrong. But tonight, I turn to you and I declare you are my Lord, my Savior. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.